You're listening to the IEP OMG Show, where parents learn to navigate school supports. Whether your child just received a diagnosis or you're needing help with a plan already in place, we have you covered. Join your host, board certified advocate and two-time teacher of the year, Sarah Kesty, to get small strategies for big impact. Hey, and welcome to the IEP OMG show. And today's show is going to be a little bit different because we have a guest whose story I think will resonate a lot with you. And he's got some tips about keeping it together. (laughs) So I'm going to introduce Rick Danes. Hey, Rick. Hey, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. It's great to have you. Thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. I love IEPs. Anything about IEPs, I am all in. Ooh, tell me more about that. How did you get to that place? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, when you when you find out you have a kid with special needs and you start trying to check all the boxes about what you're supposed to be doing, IEP is a huge flag that you need to know about it. And I think you need to be good at it. And so I didn't have a clue what it was when our child first had an IEP. And I drove about an hour to this office out in the middle of nowhere, met with people I'd never met. They handed me a giant book that had all the rules and regulations for IEP. I mean, it was like, it was like someone, you know, throwing a Bible in your hand and saying, you need to, you know, read this and be ready to go next week for your IEP. And it was really overwhelming. But since that time, I've had three kids with IEPs and we've helped a lot of people out with them. And I think I've scaled it down to the do's and the don'ts and the things that you really need to pay attention to, things that you really need to do, things you really need to don't. So, I mean, that's what I got. That sounds amazing. So you said something that kind of piqued my interest there. You said, I learned how to be good at an IEP. What does that look like? Well, being good at an IEP. So there's certain things that I like to do at an IEP. So, but first I just got to shout, do a shout out. So men typically don't go to IEPs and that is what I beat the drum about. Cause I don't understand why I just think that men and you know, you're an advocate, right, Sarah? Yeah. I so am. can I ask you how many men do you see in IEPs? If they are there, they are, are dads. secondary support generally. Okay. Yes. If they're there, secondary support generally. And yeah. I'm fine with that. I just want guys to show up, right? So my fellow brethren out there, you know, most of the time we're really good about attending the autism function, the Down syndrome function. We go to the ball games. We go to therapy sometimes. We fill in for our wives when, you know, they need a break or, you know, something like that. And and sometimes we'll even miss meetings to make it to the school play or a baseball game or something like that to be a supportive dad. But I'm here to tell you that there is no more important meeting to go to. If you want to support your kid, you go to the IEP. It's more important than going to the ball game. It's more important than the school play. It's more important than going to the parent-teacher conference. It is the most important meeting as a dad that you can go to, that you should go to. And even if, and and I know that maybe like a lot of your listeners, I'm guessing they're mostly women and they probably feel, many of them feel like, you know, I can handle it. I don't really need them. But if you walk into an IEP and you are a team 
and there's a lot of single parents out there. So I'm certainly sensitive to that. But even if you are separated and you have a good relationship, I would strongly, strongly encourage both mom and dad to attend an IEP. There's nothing, even for a show of support, right? So even if even if he just goes to support, just to sit there, stand there, whatever, and absorb what's going on, it's an outward show of teamwork, support. And speaking from personal experience, my wife and I have had huge, it's been a huge bonding experience in our marriage to go in together for an IEP, especially those IEPs that we are expecting that we know there's got to be change where we're not happy and there needs to have something happen. It's just been a huge, huge boost to our marriage and to our entire experience at IEP meetings. I love it. And what I'm hearing you describe kind of inspires me to think outside the box because that's what we do as special educators. And, you know, I taught for 17 years and as parents and advocates, as we think outside the box, especially for different learners. So, you know, what I'm hearing you say is that just having a second set of ears kind of coming in as a team is helpful. And that could look like dads or partners showing up. And it also could look like your sister or, you know, the child's aunt, absolutely anybody else. But the idea is you come in to absorb and clarify and ask questions together, which is more powerful than just coming in solo. So yeah, that's a good tip on how to be good at IEPs is just to show up, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if you can bring in a team, I mean, it's all the all the better. So yeah. So you you added something powerful there because I think dads are pretty comfortable showing up for the games, you know, like kind of the spaces that are familiar. Right. Why is it that you're saying, like, okay, yes, do all those things and prioritize the IEP? What's the power of the IEP to you? The IEP lays the groundwork. It's literally the foundation of your child's education. And what's more important than that, right? So not only does it lay that foundation, but you need to foster relationships. And when you go into an IEP meeting, you're not only supporting your wife, but you're supporting the team. All the participants in that IEP, especially the teacher, program specialist, you know, therapist, whoever might be in that meeting, you need to have a relationship with that person. And when you can go into a room, I know a lot of them are done on Zoom now, but I actually just requested our next IEP meeting to be in person just because I like to be in the room. I like to shake their hands. I like to joke around with them, get to know them on a personal level. And it's just harder to do via Zoom. So there's a lot of relationships there that you need to foster, to promote. And you never know when your kid is going to need something. You never know. Like you might think, oh, this is a cream puff meeting. There's no problems. There's no reason for me to go. But you never You never, ever know. Nobody, no kid, you know, they could call an audible at any time. There could be somebody there who wasn't expected to be there. There could be a new anything. There could be a a new APE teacher in there that you didn't know about. And it's just important to, to be supportive and to foster those relationships because you just never know when things might change, when things might go contrary to the education plan of your child. 
Right. That makes a whole lot of sense. So you also mentioned, you know, you've got some do's and don'ts. Do you have like top three or four, a <laughs> hundred? <laughs> yeah. So I wrote a book. It's called Keep It Together, Man, for dads with a special kid. And the biggest chapter in my book is the IEP chapter. And I very upfront with my audience about, listen, I've written this book to cut out all the fluff. Because before I wrote the book, my wife gave me tons of reading material. You got to know this. You got to know this. You got. And I went through all that stuff. And I was kind of like, you know what? Here's the things that are the most important. And so the IEP chapter in my book is, I, I cut out all the fluff, but there certainly is some things that I do in IEP meetings that I think really benefit. And one is, so you got to record every meeting. Even if you think the meeting is a layup, you got to record every meeting There's no downside to recording. There's only upside to recording. Give them 24-hour notice. Make sure, and even if you forget to give the 24-hour notice, you still record. You record every time. And another thing is, is you you get dressed up. And I don't care if you get dressed up every day, and I don't care if you wear yoga pants or you wear pajamas around every day. By the way, I just think that's so funny that my kids go to high school and they wear their pajamas. It's like the fad now. And you know some things, well, anyway, I don't remember ever, ever that being a fad. It might've been. I do remember the mullet being a fad and thinking that'll never, ever come back. And it's back, right? So another thing that I like to do is, and I'm an anti-food guy. I really am. When I go to a meeting I just don't understand why we always got to have food at all the meetings. I like food. I love food at meetings. I do. I like food. I eat the food at every meeting. I just don't understand why it's so important. Like if I'm in charge of the food and my wife's like, we got to get the food. Like it's such, I just don't get it. However, at IEP meetings, you got to bring food. Like if it's in the morning, my wife will bring donuts or cream cheese and bagels and like cute little things and she'll put a little platter out and it just seems to like melt everybody like oh you know like they come in and especially if we're expecting maybe a heated discussion or if there's an argument or anything like that if you just if you bring food in there i don't know what it does sarah but it seems to just bring everybody a little more calmer a little relaxed and and there's something about a gift right so sometimes we bring a gift And this is actually a great story. And Sarah, I met you like three weeks ago at a conference, right? The Involved Exceptional Parents Conference. And and at that conference, I saw our, she's the head of special education in the district in which I live. And she used to be our program specialist. And she told me that this is three weeks ago. You're the first person I'm telling, Sarah. Are you ready? Ooh, I'm ready. So she says to me, she says, do you remember the water bottle you guys gave us at an IEP meeting? And I said, nope, don't remember that at all. And she said, we came to an IEP meeting and your wife had these water bottles and inside the water bottle, she put a bunch of candy in it. And then oh. on the outside, the outside of the water bottle had love Eli and my wife had drawn a heart, right? Real simple gift a water bottle. Everybody loves water bottles. She put candy in it and she gave one to everybody that was there. All right. So she says, now that was probably four or five years ago. So she was our program specialist. Now she's head of special education in the district. And she said, since that time, that water bottle goes with her. That's her workout water bottle. So she says, 
When I work out and she says, I try to work out, you know, three to five times a week. When I go to the gym, I work out, I have that water bottle with me every single time. And I see love Eli on it every time. And so she says, I am constantly thinking about Eli, who's my son. He's in second grade mainstream. He has Down syndrome and dual diagnosis autism. And she says, I think about him all the time and I check on him all the time. And all of that, I, so I have the, the most important person in the district thinking about my kid all the time because we gave her a water bottle that says love Eli on it. So she's always thinking about my kid. So, I mean, there's um, just a story about a good thing to do, bring food, bring a gift. It doesn't have to be expensive, a water bottle, something like that. And it could be huge for you. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm hearing you say that it kind of helps keep your child front of mind, but also kind of personalizes the whole situation. Right. right. I mean, IEPs and 504 plans are kind of the fusion of legal and education. And that can be overwhelming for everybody, even seasoned people who have done, you know, hundreds of IEPs like I had it's still a little bit like, whew, got to get your bearings. And so to humanize it, to give a face and a name and, you know, just the context of importance, I'm really hearing that be a great tactical strategy. Right. Right. So I actually just pulled up my checklist. Should I go down it real quick? Well, you don't have to give everything away because we're going <laughs> to link the book in the show notes and, you know, but maybe like the ones that are kind of popping out to you right now towards the end of the year, we know April and May are the busiest months for referrals and therefore initials and annuals and triennials and all that. So yeah, yeah. we're in IEP season as we're recording in May. Yeah. What's standing out to you? Well, what's standing out to me are the, you know, I think the biggest mistakes, especially people who are going, who are new at IEPs, and that is you show up, you got to show up early, you got to show up at least 15 minutes early, and you got to make sure that you are prepared for at least an hour longer than what they say the meeting's going to go. Make sure you got your babysitter in check if you need one. Make sure, you know, if you've got another kid getting off the bus or your kid's getting off the bus, make sure you've got a backup plan to meet that person there. You don't want to end the meeting because of you, right? Because if meetings go longer, it generally means that you're talking about something, something super important. And one of the things that I do that uh, there's so much fluff in IEP meetings, right? And this is this is one of the things that I think good for dads to do is like, you get in there, you know, have you read the safeguards? Yes. You know, like a lot of things are just things that maybe you've already read, you've already gone over. And sometimes I just like to just say, look, everybody's in agreement on all these things. We're all friends here. Can we just skip to the things that we really need to discuss and get that out of the way? Because sometimes those IEP meetings can just drag and go forever. And there's just fat in those meetings and it'll just kill you. It'll kill you. So you can, as a parent, you know, suggest, let's get to the meat. Let's get to what we really need to hash out because I don't want Miss Jones and Miss Clark leaving during the meeting. I'd, I'd really like them here to discuss, you know, the, these important things. So, yeah. So make sure you've got everything. I talked about recording, you know, my wife comes in armed. I just bring a notepad and anything I I hear, I just kind of like jot it down, just simple things like that. And then the food, the gifts, make sure you're dressed up, like make it, you know, 
show them that you're serious. And like, what am I forgetting, Sarah? Nothing. And I'm hearing a lot of, you know, it's funny because I have the executive function podcast as well. And I'm hearing like, okay, so you backwards plan, you make sure that you, you know, give yourself a false deadline for when to show up, you chunk out a whole bunch of time, all these things that we can kind of do, but that crossover is real and planning for this and treating it with the gravity that it has, you know, like this, this sets the tone and the cadence of service and the goals and all of it is developed during these meetings. So yes, they're tedious. Yes, they can be long. And there's definitely some intimidation there too. Yet you show up and you do your best and you show that you're serious. And yeah, I'm loving all these tips. It's I hadn't thought about blocking off that extra hour. That's really oh, I mean, if the meeting, if they say it's an hour, you got to plan for two. Whatever they tell you, you gotta you gotta plan for an extra an extra hour. But what you just said, Sarah, about planning, I mean, you gotta go into every IEP meeting, you know, think about it ahead of time. Are you happy with what's going on? Are you happy with the situation that your child is in? Can you make it better? What what kind of questions do you wanna ask your team? What do you need to get educated on? So, you know, it's a it's a team effort. And I think planning in advance is you got to plan. I mean, you just have to, you got to, you, you've got to get in front of the issues that you think might better your child's future. Yeah. And Rick, you really brought up a good point there in terms of planning and preparing, right? Like I have an episode on this podcast about like how to get ready. And some of the tips are kind of rehearsing the awkward questions, rehearsing, feeling vulnerable and just putting it out there. Like, I'm sorry if you already explained this. Can you say this again? You know, being prepared in your own head and in your own space to have the courage to be a little bit clunky during the meeting because it matters. Oh, yeah. Don't ever be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to look stupid. You know, most of the time, you know, you're dealing with professionals. You know, they may have had three meetings before you and two meetings after you that day. Like, this is what they do, but it is not what you do. You don't do it as often as they do. If you don't understand something, stop the meeting. Just say, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't understand. And I mean, I've had nothing but success really in IEP meetings when I ask, because people in there, for the most part, they really want to help. Like, currently, right now, and one of our IEP teams, I just love them all to death. I mean, I just, I just think they are so on board and then I know they want the best for my kid. And there's just really, really good relationships in there. And I, I just love my team right now. It's just amazing. But it's not always that way. It's just not. And you got to right. be prepared. You got to be prepared for when it's not. Yeah. And I love how you said, you know, don't be afraid to seems stupid, or I don't know how you phrased it, but you know, what's really interesting paradoxically when you're the, the willing party to kind of bring that vulnerability to the meeting, when you're able to say like, well, guys, I'm sorry. Can you, can you repeat this? Or like, I know it might seem silly, but can you clarify most of the time you look around the table and everyone sort of like just breathes because it's nice to have someone willing to make space to not understand. And then you watch and other people take yeah. your lead and they have the courageous questions too. Yeah, I've seen that a lot with, you know, when I was teaching, I would read parents and say, looks like you might have a question right now. And they like 
would stop and say, oh, oh, I can ask, you know, it was just that empowerment. Yeah. And then through that, the gen ed teachers would speak up and say, actually, I have a question about this too. And it just made it such a different space where you would fear being assumed that you are stupid. And actually it turns out that you're kind of taking some power. You're having that courage and that ownership of this matters so much that I'm willing to risk looking less intelligent when in fact, it's more of like emotional intelligence. It's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic that I've seen play out over and over. If you can trust that you can be vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, Sarah, you know, the parent, you are the most important person outside of the IEP meeting and inside of the IEP meeting. If you're in, you're in that IEP meeting, who knows the kid better than you do? Nobody. You are the most important person in that meeting. And if you don't understand something, even if you don't want to ask it, you don't want to look stupid. You you got to, the whole vulnerability issue, you just and, so, and sometimes you just got to swallow your pride, but you got to ask the questions. You got to, you got to, you got to do it. Believe yeah. me, I've asked so many dumb questions in IEPs and, and actually some of my questions cause people to laugh. And if you can get people to, if you can get people laughing in your IEP, that that's also good. So that's true. Usually it's me with cheesy jokes or puns. <laughs> love me some yeah. puns. Yeah. But I, I'm hearing you. Yeah. You know, usually it also serves to kind of remind the team that you can't plow through everything. You know, like when I was teaching, I'd get in a smidge of the good kind of trouble where they'd be like, you explain things too much to parents or we need to cut at 30 minutes. You got to get it done. Like it was some sort of like sprint. And I always pushed against that. I would even kind of schedule creatively so that we had these buffer times when really I knew I would just drag my meetings and not drag them just for the sake of proving a point, but really just keeping space so parents had the time. Yeah. You know? And so as a parent, when you ask questions, you're just sort of reminding the team that like, hey, I'm human. I have a human brain. I'm learning extra hard right now because I'm learning the process and the jargon and about my kid. And let's throw in a third thing of it's emotionally charged. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when you are able to ask questions in a meeting, it reminds the team to slow down, to not take for granted that all of the jargon you're like on board with and you know. So it's interesting the power of having those vulnerable moments. Yeah. And as a parent, you know who those teachers and therapists and people in the meeting are that care about you, right? So you you know, you can, can look at a parent and sense that they have a question and then you ask them about it. As a parent, you appreciate those members of the IEP team that take time out, make sure the parent knows what they're doing. And another thing I like to do is after the meeting to send out an email or just a quick thank you. It takes, takes a couple minutes. Just write everybody on your team a little thank you. And just say, I have an open line of communication. Here's my phone number. Here's my email. There's anything I can ever do with regards to my kid, just let me know. And you would be surprised how many take advantage of that. And I had, you know, physical therapists or speech therapists will email and say, I had a great session with your kid today. Here's some things we're working on. And they might say, you know, you asked previously, what are some things you could do at home? And here's what we think you can do at home. Like, how great is that? You know, when when we get that email from the teacher or a therapist or somebody working one-on-one with our kid. 
Right. You know, and I'll, I'll add in kind of a bonus layer for that email because I love to do kind of like a double prong approach where it's thank you so much. And here's what I heard you sharing. And so there's a that yes. little bit of written accountability because sometimes IEPs go big idea, but lack the follow through. And so that's a little bit of the, you know, legal accountability component of right. but gently. So it's not controversial or kind of in their faces, but just saying, here's what I heard you share you plan to do. And here are my next action steps. And so we're all on the same page sharing the journey and kind of the metrics of what this will look like rolling out. I love it. It's great. Well, thanks. That's why we're jamming here, right? (laughs) Great, great stuff. (laughs) Great stuff, Sarah. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it matters, Rick. And that's, I think what, you know, I'm finding, I, I had to stop teaching for a bit because of some health stuff, but I always wanted to be, you know, I always saw myself as an advocate slash teacher anyway. So in this role, I'm certainly not being adversarial with districts. I'm kind of empowering everybody. Hopefully that's the goal. And so, you know, just having this seat at the IEP table, not leaving the table, just kind of having a different view has really helped me understand our role as sort of like facilitators of future civil rights for people with disabilities, you know, like IDEA is not even 50, you know, and here we are, we, we desegregated schools based on melanin sooner than we desegregated schools based on ability, you know, and we may even argue that we still have, well, I would argue that we still have some segregation that we need to address in our realms. So it's powerful and really interesting to see how these small things that we're doing on our, you know, individual levels can, you know, affect bigger change in terms of policy and systemic thinking and things like that. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I never thought about it this way, but since you brought that up, I mean, the IEP is a tool that people years before us fought for and got put into law. People fought for this for me, for families like me and us, and to not utilize it is a disservice to those people who fought for it and got it passed and signed into law. You, you just gave me chills. It's so <laughs> true, right? Yeah. And I, I have an episode. It's one of the first episodes of this show about the history because it's so fascinating yeah. how, you know, civil rights in terms of like different skin tones really laid the path. So we're kind of standing on the shoulders of other civil rights movements as well. And it's so fascinating and just kind of gives you context for when you do bump into these moments of resistance where it's uncomfortable in your brain, where you want to just kind of say, okay, I'm done. That's when you've got to dig deep or provide yourself more help, get an advocate, reach out to like a resolution center, you know, like there's giving up isn't an option, especially considering that you're sort of carrying the torch for future families now. Right. And one thing that parents need to know if you're new to IEP meetings, and that is you can get an advocate for free. You can get a friend for free. You can get, and and the special needs community, everybody has had that first IEP meeting where they were sweating bullets. I mean, don't be afraid to reach out. And I think that in our community, so many people just don't want to 
being vulnerable. They don't want to open themselves up. I mean, just ask for help. I mean, find someone, find a parent that's, you know, in your kid's class or anything. Ask around because parents talk and they get things done and they are, there's movers and shakers and you just got to get one backing you up or, or at your side and your life can change for the better. Right. And that doesn't even mean like fighting the school district. That may just be kind of like what I do. I'd say the bulk of my advocacy work with parents is actually being a Sherpa for the process. Oh yeah. Helping them understand, you know, making it parent friendly. Yeah. Because just yesterday we had an IEP where the kid got everything that we projected would serve him well. The parents were super happy. The team was super happy, but we like thumbed through a 48 page document just for the assessments alone, you know, and having to do that alone would have been incredibly difficult. So I think you're right. Just the help can look many ways and it doesn't have to feel like you're being adversarial. It's just, this is a complicated, overwhelming process and don't do it alone. Yeah. That's huge. Okay. So where can people find you, Rick? Cause I imagine people are going to want to buy this book. Learn about uh, your work. Yeah. So keep it together, man.org. Um, keep it together, man.org. You can go there. You can also just go on Amazon. Keep it together, man. My book's right there. But I do blog occasionally. I'm, you know, I'm a parent. I've got five kids. I've got three IEPs. I've got a job. I don't get to do things like this as often as I would like to. It's my passion. I love being involved with the special needs community and anything I can do to help. I just don't have the time to do. I do a lot of public speaking for it and I love it, but you can always reach me at uh, keepittogetherman.org or just go on to Amazon, buy my book and that's it. Yeah. And I'll put all the links in the show notes and yeah, I'm so incredibly appreciative of our mind meld this morning. It's been oh, yeah. really, really fun. Oh, let me, can I give a plug, a plug out to our musical? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. So this so, is a PS. Check out his music. Yeah. 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 So this is a, just a quick story. So I have a kid who's a senior in high school. He has autism. He's my first kid that we had an IEP with, and he's a miracle to us for sure. Huge success of our school district. I, I just am in awe at what he's accomplished and, and how well he's done in his life, not just in school. But anyway, so what I'm going to say is six years ago, he came to me and said, dad, dad, I know what I want to do. I said, what do you want to do, son? And he goes, I want to write a musical. And I was like, great, son, you go do that. You go write that musical. And then he goes away and then he comes back and he says, dad, I need your help. And I'm like, I just thought this is like here today, gone tomorrow, right? My kid, he just gets all these crazy ideas and it'll be gone tomorrow, but it wasn't gone tomorrow. And he bugged me for an entire year and we were on, we were on a vacation and he's still bugging me about it. And I said, all right, let's, let's sit down. And we started developing characters and, and the story is all about him and growing up with autism and mostly high school in a special needs community is encircled with the best buddies and it's all about inclusion and love and the funny thing about musicals is that you have to have music in them right so we don't write music but i do have a son that does but he didn't want any part of it until we were 
lockdown in the pandemic of COVID. And we're one of those families that was like serious about it because at the time, you know, if you have a kid with Down syndrome, there's all kinds of rumors and stats and the fear of the unknown, really, like what happens if our little Eli gets this COVID thing? And so we were completely locked down. We were and, too. Yeah. And we wrote a musical and we had professional help. I just happened to have a niece who's a real pro at this theater major, the whole nine yards. And we buckled down and all those songs were orchestrated and it's now being released literally like right now we just started putting things we made a website two weeks ago and it's all on it's called differentmusical.com we just booked our very first show and it's going to be at the end of august in provo utah small theater in provo utah and i of course live in san diego all the writers live in san diego but our director who wants to do it lives there and so she's putting it on And it's going to be streamed as well. So the link will be on the website when we're getting ready to do that. So anybody can watch it streamed if you're not in the state of Utah. Different musical. I'm so excited. Differentmusical.com. It's it's really the music is great. It's it's a great story. And I really hope people watch it. Me too. Yeah. And we'll we'll link that as well. So awesome. Yeah. Wow. What a cool story. And what a testament to, you know, when you get the school stuff figured out, you can kind of unlock some new stuff for your kid, you know, when the supports are there front end, back end, all that kind of stuff that we can facilitate through a really good IEP, then your kid gets to have like cool life stuff happen, which you did an amazing thing. Oh yeah. I mean, especially for teenagers, confidence is everything. And if you can boost a kid's confidence, Holy cow. I mean, let them, let them see that what their potential is just a glimpse of it. Give them some confidence. It's huge. Game changer, right? Cause then you have that perspective of, well, what else can I do? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What are you going to do next? What's your next project? I know. All right. Well, I have the feeling speaking of next projects, I have the feeling we'll collaborate more, but (laughs) for now, I will say thank you so much for being on the IEP OMG show. It's been a real pleasure, Rick. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Thanks for listening to the IEP OMG show. Please share the show with families you know and stay connected. Drop us an email at iepomgshow at gmail.com. Your ratings and reviews are incredibly helpful and so appreciated. Thank you.